0: Okay, here we are. Hello there. How are you, Monet?
1: I'm good. How are you, Don?
0: Good, 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 good. So I wanted to uh, pick up on a conversation I heard out in the hallway, and I butted my butted in. I was walking by you and Stephanie, and there was uh, some discussion about a recent case and some problems with the case, you know. And I and I suggested you turn around and look at the mountains beha- out there. Now your window has a mountain view, and today it's really beautiful. When I walked by there, I thought, holy cow, man. I mean, it's a clear and it's kind of overcast and it's just those mountains are very prominent now in this time of the year, December. You know, and, and uh, I asked you guys, how long do you think those mountains been there? And I, I'm not kidding you for my audience. The, the first thing was <laughs> hundreds of years. I'm going, okay, a hundred years of build a mountain. I, I don't think so. thousand years, no. So I, I Wikipedia did before because I was curious and they've been out there for like 65 million years, according to Wikipedia. Now, how does that compare to your problem, right? You know, I mean, I get these bad decisions sometimes in my cases or sometimes I go in with my, well in my life and I think about how long am I going to be here on this earth and what's my problem going to look like 60 million years ago or from now while those mountains are still there, right? So that's a good good perspective. I mean, I'm glad that they're there, right? And California's littered with them. So even when you're driving and you got problems, just look at the mountains. So I, before we talk about it, because you, you and I are going to talk about an appellate court decision today. And it's going to deal with the domestic violence case. That I think was kind of interesting, and we could kind of relate that to some of our cases that we've had without naming names. Uh, I wanted to let you know, and you probably don't know this, but recently I got to escort a princess, and I also got to sit down and have breakfast with a queen.
1: I heard about it. Oh, you did hear <laughs>
0: about it? Okay. So this was a big thing for me. So, I'm, of course, I'm talking about in, in Pasadena, and this is only in Pasadena that you get experiences. I'm part of the Chamber of Commerce, and uh, I've been an active. Uh, with that. I'm an incoming president in a couple of years. I can't say that in the immediate, but in a couple of years, I'll be the president. And I've been going to this breakfast every single year for probably like the last, I don't know, 12 years. And uh, this last year, because of COVID, they didn't have it. But it's you got to wake up really early. You get down to the hotel at seven in the morning. And it's, it's this real special event because what happens is, is it's the bringing together of the business community, Uh, the government officials that are there, and then the Tournament of Roses. And it's like this very intimate huddle of people that talk before the world descends upon Pasadena. You know, before January 1st, where cameras are all over the place and millions of people around the world are watching our parade and then watching the football game, we get to kind of get together and talk about what it's going to look like and what the planning was and and actually meet the powers to be that put it all together. In addition to that event, what they do is they walk in the princesses from the uh, I guess it's the Rose Court. Is that Mm, what it's called? I think so. Okay, and and uh, of course you know the queen comes out and stuff like that. So this year, after attending this thing for twelve years, they asked me to escort one of the princesses, and here I am. I'm a sixty-two year old man. Okay, I've got grown daughters, uh, who by the way had tried out for the 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 tournament court, or in the Rose Court before, like so many young ladies in, in the San Gabriel Valley. They didn't make it, which I'm still contesting to this day. But, you know, I I actually got to do this, you know, and stuff. And, I, you know, I love young people that are uh, successful. And, uh, you know, it was really cool sitting down, and not only, actually escorting one of the princes to her uh, table and getting to talk to her a little bit. But then I got to sit at the table with the queen, who uh, attends Cunada High School and she uh, you know was talking about that she was in speech and debate in high school and stuff you know and, and I was thinking, wow man, I bet you she, she wants to practice law and sure enough she does and I've invited her to intern here by the way. But it was the coolest thing in the world to really look at somebody that is uh, you know on top of her game. and I, could you imagine the confidence you would have after competing in that and becoming the queen because it's really all the schools. In the In the general area, all the, the schools participate in advancing people to become uh you know part of this court, and this one person makes it every year you know now you you didn't go to school locally here, right, so you weren't part of that
1: no, no, I went um La Senna, so not really yeah well actually no i
0: I don't know I don't know if they're feed into that or not because it's cl- pretty close, but I don't know I know La Cunata does mm-hmm. you know Glendale schools I think do. Uh, but definitely like Alhambra, Arcadia, Pasadena, all the high well, schools. I out mean, here.
1: even if we did, I wasn't super like no involved because you were too studious. <laughs> I know you.
0: <laughs> you would have made a great one though. But I tell you who did it was Brooke tried out. She said she did. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. would. She it, would. Yeah, you know, you know, and, it, and she said that. Um, you know, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. You know, that she didn't go far in the tournament. Some of her classmates went a little bit further and stuff. You know, and I don't know exactly what they look for. But usually these people are are pretty impressive. They're gonna go on to some big schools, and they've got big dreams and stuff, you know. And it's uh, it's fun. I just love uh, listening to the young people with their aspirations and you know what 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 it took for them to get where they are, you know. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the new case. So I assigned you a case that we could talk about today. Uh, I'm gonna confess this is the first time on a podcast that I have not read the decision. Now I've read the uh, what do they call it? The, the cliff notes, you know, on a, on a summary, but, and I've peeked at the decision a little bit, but I haven't read it through and through it, but it involves domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And why don't you set up the facts for us?
1: Okay. So at the trial court level, basically husband and wife married with, um, I think more than a couple of kids, more than, I think six kids they had together married for a while. Um, they file for divorce then wife at some point files for a domestic violence restraining order based on several facts you know some of which include um husband calling her names in front of the kids taking away her cell phone demanding that she leave the house um and then threatening to kill her so but
0: before you go for it did we talk about what's the name of the case
1: the name is fm and mm
0: okay and it's a 2021 2021- decision. Correct. Now, I, I'm wondering, I don't know if the, if the decision talks about this, but is this a COVID case? It'd be interesting. Where what, what are the dates? Um, it?
1: Well, it was published in June of 21. Um, the marriage, the, the filing date was 2018. So um, probably
0: not then. It was probably pre-COVID, I'm going to guess. But, we're, but one of these days, we're going to be sitting here talking about what was going on with people during the, the lockdown and stuff, right? It might
1: have been because um wife well, filed in august of 19 so it, i mean and the lockdown was early twenty twenty so so
0: part of this probably was COVID then because yeah. what it, my reading of the of the decision was uh, that the parties stayed together at the initial part of the she filed and they were still living together correct right yeah and then she goes for
1: the dissolution not after she filed a restraining order. right right
0: mm-hmm. and she she when she files she files saying that there's been a history of uh abuse mm-hmm. not necessarily violence right is that what it's saying mostly abusive stuff
1: verbal uh abuse in front of the kids and also threats to kill her
0: oh well okay pretty serious stuff yeah okay so what happens yeah
1: and i actually do think it's a COVID case because the trial i think under restraining order took place in june of 2021
0: Ooh, right down during the um the 2021 or
1: 2020 um yeah, no, I'm sorry. It, it was in 2020. Well, that's, so, that's
0: right when the lockdown was, or yeah. right afterwards. Yeah. Woo! Okay. Yeah. So it is a COVID so, case. <laughs> so you, I'm envisioning smoke coming out of that household, man. Right? I mean, they're, they're, these were some angry people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happens?
1: Um, so her restraining order is granted um, temporarily, the temporary restraining order. And the trial court denies the wife's request to also name the kids as protected parties. Um, but does order that, you know, the husband has to stay um, at least five yards away. Um, That's it?
0: Five yards? Yeah, That's at cause least five yards. Because they were still living together?
1: Um, no, it requires, um, it, it did deny her request to, um, required a husband to move
0: out. So it's because of COVID. They, the judges didn't um, know what to do in those circumstances. I was
1: confused by that. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I'm, guess
0: yeah. All I'm doing is making assumptions here, but a five yard stay away is nothing, right? We usually see that when 100. people are still working together, or you know, they their neighbors, you know, and stuff like that. Normally, it's a hundred yards, mm-hmm. but there's exceptions when people have to be close to each other. So five yards within the same home, it, sounds, it seems like at this point he wasn't kicked out. Correct. Okay. He wasn't. Let me let me address one other thing before we move on. So the kids were not part of the protective order. No. And can you explain when it would be appropriate for a court to name the kids?
1: Um, When there's been, I mean, uh, one example would be when there's been um, physical violence in front of the kids, not necessarily directed at them, but between the parents, that would be enough, I think. Yeah, and
0: what's in the presence of the kids? I mean, that's that's a factual call for the court. I don't know the answer to that, but... You know, there's sometimes the kids are right there in, this, in the room mm-hmm. when there's this physical violence. There's other times where they might be in the room next door, or there are other cases where they're in bed sleeping, right? I don't know if we've got any, any real clear uh, decision on that yet.
1: I think it is fact, like is case-by-case, fact-by-fact, depending on the judge also. The,
0: the, the reason why I, I wanted you to pause there is there's also a line of decisions, I think, that says that domestic violence on a parent is equivalent to violence on the children.
1: Yeah, I've read that. Mm-hmm. So
0: why wouldn't you have them as the protected parties then? Yeah, but anyways, go ahead.
1: So the temporary restraining order was continued a few times and during the first hearing at the continuance, the trial court made a remark about how um, the allegations really like don't have to do with the fact that they live together. Um, so I'm not really sure what the court was trying to get at by saying that, but it said the allegations you've made have to do with the fact. Oh, I'm sorry. That it it has to do with the fact that they are living together. And, and
0: at that point, probably made him move out, right?
1: Well, surprisingly, the mom's the one that moved out. Okay.
0: okay. So mom moved out. So so what so what what people should know is, is that this was not an atypical case, uh, but the hearing was going on uh, over. There were breaks between the days, right? Yes. So there was like uh, the hearing would start and then, okay, we're going to move this on to a couple of weeks from now do the next. So it was it happened over a series of time. During that first hearing, the judge made remarks that the problem was that they were living together. Correct. Okay, and mom was the one that voluntarily moved out?
1: With some of the kids, yes. Yeah. Not all of them. Not all of some them. Some of them stayed with the okay. dad. Mom moved out, yes. Um, and so part of the... The orders from the trial court in addition were if she wanted if the mom wanted to come back to retrieve any of her belongings she would need to obtain a civil standby
0: okay that's a kind of a thing that we see all the time Mm -hmm. too is parties are separated whether there's a restraining order or not if there's a lot of antipathy and hostility that goes on between the parties and third parties typically we arrange for folks to go to the home with like the police or with a witness or something like that. Sometimes people record it. You've been on one of those. I have. <laughs> <laughs> How many times? <laughs> um, Twice. Okay, yeah, and uh, they're not necessarily fun, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very awkward, you know, sometimes for hours, the people pick up their belongings and...
0: Yeah, and then the games are played and all over that stuff. Fight stuff. But yeah. well, you were involved in one that took all day long. Yes. And uh, our client had one of those cameras Uh, what are they called? Uh, A GoPro, yes. A GoPro. And there was, on the other side, there was a, like a retired sheriff friend or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, fortunately, we don't have to do too many of those, but the fact that people have to go back and get their personal belongings is a very common thing. And usually it's without the attorneys, right? So in this case, it doesn't speak of the attorneys being there. It was just mom going over there.
1: Yes, and it it was up to the mom to obtain, like, the, you know, go with the sheriff or, um, I guess, the I haven't heard the official term, the civil standby. Um, Anyways, there was one incident where uh, mom goes and there's a physical altercation and dad ends up getting arrested. Ooh. Yes. So he was jailed, actually, for the incident.
0: Now, this is, while this restraining order is still being heard by the court, but it's in between the hearings. Correct. And he does something like... The rocket science, scientist he is is he abuses her physically and gets himself thrown in jail yes okay
1: and then surprisingly, the court admonished a mom because it said that it was her fault for not um demonstrating good judgment by re- returning to the house without um you know a third party a civil, a civil um standby, and that um this would be something the court would consider um a factor that would weigh against her in granting the restraining order.
0: Now we're talking about at the next hearing after he gets arrested there's a subsequent hearing they go to court and the family court doesn't talk to him and talks to her about it. it's basically her fault. Yeah. He shouldn't have gone over there and uh, so you're kind of responsible for this guy putting his hands on you.
1: Correct. Okay all
0: right I'm, this judge is interesting okay. <laughs>
1: um. So then another you know um, the hearing continues, and this is in December of 2019. Actually, that was the final hearing. So right before the lockdown, okay. so we were talking about that earlier. I think it was right before.
0: What 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 was the date?
1: Um, 12 16 19.
0: Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's the final hearing. Mm-hmm. So we, we're completely wrong in all this. This is not yeah. a COVID case. No. Okay. Well, uh, people out there, don't listen to what I say. Read the decision. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: It was published during <laughs> okay. COVID. Okay. Um. Anyways, yeah, so December of 2019, almost exactly three years ago, um, that was the final hearing on mom's request for a restraining order. Um, The decision states that the trial court interrupted the mom several times during her testimony about this altercation we just discussed, the physical altercation, which took place in October. So
0: during this final part of the hearing, mom is saying, and I would like to introduce additional evidence, Your Honor. Yes. And what would that be?
1: the physical abuse um, altercation that occurred in, during that um, incident in October where the dad was jailed. Uh,
0: ma'am, let's stick to the facts in the, in the petition, okay? We're not going to talk about extraneous things. State what your evidence is. We're not going to go there. Yep. Is, that, is that what it was said? Exactly. Okay. exactly. And then she tried again, right?
1: Um, yeah. And, says... he's, and the same
0: thing. <clears throat> ma'am, I'm t- warning you. We're not talking about things that occurred after the petition. You're basically stuck with what you put in writing.
1: Yep. It says you need to support this request with what took place before you filed.
0: Ooh, he said it better than I did. Okay. <laughs> and then what happened?
1: Um, what happened Friday is not relevant to this request. So, God. yeah. Um, so, the court limited her testimony to the events that occurred prior to the restraining order being filed. Um so, you know, mom testified about the vulgar names that she would be called in front of the kids and that the the father the dad threatened to kill her if she didn't leave the house. Of course, when father testified, he denied. Um, and
0: and those things were he said, she said pretty much. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. It doesn't seem like there was a lot of corroborating evidence. Um, and then at the time of this final hearing that we're talking about, criminal charges were still pending against the father. So that was still ongoing. There was no you know, finding um, as to any criminal charges. So um, the trial court denied mom's request. It found that she failed to provide corroborating evidence for her testimony.
0: So your request is denied, ma'am, uh, next. And by the way, you may have to pay his fees for him to defend mm-hmm. against this. Okay. She brings it up on appeal. She appeals. Okay, and then what happens?
1: The court of appeal reversed and remanded um for the trial court to do a couple of things. So number one, um, it said the trial court erred by refusing to consider evidence of the post-filing abuse. Uh, number two, the Domestic Violence Protection Act does not require a petitioner to provide heightened specificity or corroboration of her testimony.
0: Meaning that just by the declaration itself, a court may do that. Exactly. Okay.
1: Um, and then going off of that, per Family Code Section six. 16- 6300 uh, subsection A, the trial court may issue an order based solely on the affidavit or testimony of the person requesting the restraining order. And then finally, the trial court erred by using residential separation as a substitute for a restraining
0: order. Interesting. So this is obviously a judge that appears to have a strong bias. And you know, I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't know who the judge was, and I'm not gonna say that I wouldn't be biased if I were on the bench. I think we all have a bias, of course. But this was an obvious one, and for, he was overturned because, or he or she, whoever it was, you know, because of the the decision. So the key points to this, uh, to me, uh, the number one is the fact that uh, when you're going forward with these hearings, you could use subsequent evidence. You know, and, you know, and we've had a lot of cases. I, I had one case where. My client was accused of domestic violence and domestic abuse. We took the complaining party's deposition, and it became real apparent that now this was more of a gatekeeping type of a Mm -hmm. scenario, but what he did was crazy. After he got served with the papers, he sent her a text message stating, oh, thanks for uh, serving me, you know, and something snide remark like that. That was actually criminally prosecuted, you know, and that act happened after the, the TRO. Um, I once had a case where I defended somebody in a criminal case, got him off of the domestic violence charges, but he admittedly went to the house that was vacant because a woman had moved out of there. Mm-hmm. And based on him going to that house, because it was still in the restraining order, he was found guilty of, the, of violating the restraining order. So I I think that this decision is solidifying some of the results that we've had, even though it, it wasn't you know per appellate court mm-hmm. decision. And, you know, I think it's good. This judge might have come from a civil background, you know, where it's like, wait a minute, you haven't given us notice. Mm-hmm. We haven't really allowed the other side to vet this. But I can tell you in criminal court, when you're doing trials, stuff comes in, man. You know, like that. I had a case where uh, I was, we were prosecuting a gang member. This is when I was a detective. And uh, the guy was sitting in the holding cell with, before the jury came in. And he looked at my 14-year-old victim, and he went, you know he, he was threatening her, right? And she turned to me. and says, "Oh my God, he just he just threatened me." Guess what? That came into evidence in front of the jury and stuff. So I mean, it's very common in some context here, and I you know I I could see why it comes in, but it's surprising maybe to many. What are your thoughts?
1: Actually, this was interesting to read because I remember you and I had a discussion where there was an attorney in our office. Uh, who, he no longer works here, but he would when he would file restraining orders or defend against them. He would always um preemptively file a motion to strike um any uh, like it was a motion to strike or some sort of civil motion basically preventing the victim from alleging facts that are not contained within the initial filing and I, and i was like why don't we do this and you said i mean that's not gonna that's not gonna hold because that's actually incorrect you know they could bring up things that happen that are outside of this declaration And they do and they do, clearly. Yeah. So it well, was- that
0: reminds me of the trial that we had where those text messages were coming in after we thought we had everything and the judge allowed it in. So it's it's really kind of the Wild West when it comes to restraining orders in a lot of ways. The courts, I think, view this as so important that we separate and protect people that mm-hmm. we're going to loosen up a little bit and let the evidence come in, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the other part of it, that decision that I thought was um, important was you know, I mean, this judge had said, look, you know, we're going to keep you guys five feet, five feet away from each other, you know, um, it, pending the ultimate decision. Uh, that doesn't solve anything, right? I mean, if you're in the house with somebody and you're bickering and somebody's threatening you, uh, five yards or five feet <laughs> whatever it is, that ain't going to work. That's
1: crazy to me. And the fact that uh, the victim was the one ordered to move out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... I'm sure that this woman got some help from a good attorney to help her uh, appeal this decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, Read the last part of this too. What was the 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 last part of the decision?
1: Um, That the court erred by using residential separation as a substitute.
0: Yeah, that's one. I mean, obviously the court can't get cute like that, you know, and say, okay, you know, I'm not going to issue the restraining order, but I'm just going to order somebody out of the home, right? Right, like a creative substitute. There's no substitution. And what was the one before that?
1: Um, that the, the DVPA, the 6300A, section 6300A, um, the court may issue an order based solely on the affidavit or testimony. That's the one that, testimony. That, you know,
0: so you know that I've taught you and all the other associates here that when we're putting together trial booklets, mm-hmm. that we typically, you know, put in all that the other person is saying, but we don't put in our own papers in there. Mm-hmm. But recently I attended a seminar from a very learned judge, and he talked about why you wouldn't move the uh, the briefs into evidence. And I started doing that. And it occurred to me that, that if you win on appeal, having your client's declaration in there is really powerful because then the Court of Appeal it has an, even an easier job to mm. make inferences. You being the appellate attorney you are, you understand that? <laughs> you know. And, you know, I think that uh, people don't realize that credibility is just enough. I mean, you don't necessarily need cooperating evidence right. the judge could just believe you you know and in this case this judge was really leaning so heavily towards the, the the man for some reason that I think the thinking cap just went out out the door there
1: well I don't know if you saw but it said it finished the decision concluded by stating um, the court noted that although the dad actually died yeah. prior to publication of the opinion you know they still published it because of the important public matter that was raised in the appeal. So.
0: Yeah, that tells you that this was a case of first impression that there hasn't been an appellate court that have laid out the rules with mm-hmm. regard to new evidence like that. God, I wonder if he passed because of the COVID. I mean, that would have that would have been in that time period, but... Okay, so great great job. I know I just threw this decision on you late last night. You had emailed me and said, hey, Dan, what are we talking about <laughs> tomorrow? And I'm going to tell you that I'm like, I don't know. Let me look. So I, I looked at this one. I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, so. it's
1: a great case. I think we should talk about it with all the attorneys because it's, it's very important. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Let's do this again.